I want to talk to us today about uh, being led by the Spirit. Um, I mean, you can even hear that title and you know that um, I've been living in that <laughs> for a while. Um, what I learned is that when you have to make big, big decisions, the only way to make those decisions is to have been making those little small decisions with him all along the way. You see, life is a series of choices. Uh, we make choices and then they make us. We make decisions and if we make good decisions, we become successful. If we make bad decisions, then we're not. Every decision has a consequence and potential for error is great because we are human beings. We're imperfect. Some, some of you today might be struggling with some kind of difficult decision about where to go or what to do. Uh, do I go this direction? Do I go that? Do we do this? Do we th do that? Really, um, like, like decisions, important decisions we have to, you know, indecision is one of the great sources of stress in our life. And yet the Heavenly Father doesn't want us to be stressed. Amen? He doesn't want us to be stressed out about our decisions. But when you have this tension in you, what do I do or what direction do I go? Do I keep on going or what am I, what am I to do? Uh, you know, the Bible tells us in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That word unstable there literally means, in the original language, staggering like a drunk person. Well, I'm going to go to this microphone. I think that ringing is there again. Sorry about that. So, let's test, test, one, two. This is number two. One, two, there we are. Thank you very much. Um, you know, it creates tension in your life. Um, and then sometimes even after you make decisions, you still have tension. That ever happened to you? <laughs> you know, you have that, uh, I always call it buyer's remorse. <laughs> you know, you decided and then it's like, oh, what have I, what have I done? Uh, I mean, so what's the antidote? What's the antidote to all that? The antidote is to let God guide you. Let God guide you. The Bible tells us that life is a journey and that God has given us a roadmap. We call that roadmap the Bible. And that God has not only given us the Bible, but he's given us like an inner conscience that keeps us headed in the right direction as we let him lead us. And then finally, God has given us a personal guidance counselor. And his name is the Holy Spirit. A personal guide, you know, that's, that's the best thing. That's better than a map. Like if you have a guide that's taking you somewhere that you've never been before, it's a whole lot better than trying to find it on a map or a compass because they already been there. The Bible tells us that God wants to lead us in paths of righteousness. That means that he wants to lead us in the right path. So God doesn't want you to mess up your life. Uh, what we're talking about in this message today is not how do we waste our time or waste our life, but how do we invest our life and how do we make paths, make decisions about the right paths and the right decisions. So how do I figure that out? Well, the Bible says that he leads us in paths of righteousness. Like a ma modern translation would be, God keeps me on track. He keeps me on track in my life. Now, I know some of you sitting there, maybe you're thinking, well, that just doesn't work for me, Pastor. 
I mean, I tried to let God lead my life, and I just don't get it. I, how do you let God lead you? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Some things that you need to stop doing and some things that you need to start doing so that you can figure out what it is that God wants for your life, to figure out what God wants me to do with my life. So why is God's will sometimes hard? Why is it difficult? Sometimes people say things like, well, God's playing hide and seek. Uh, does God enjoy confusing me? Of course not. Definitely not. The real issue is that we often look for the wrong thing from God. So because God is a good God, amen, God has good plans for your life, not bad, amen. God is good and he has promised to guide you. So the Bible calls him the good shepherd. And he doesn't just feed us he leads us. He doesn't just correct us. He directs us. He doesn't just guide us. He is leading us and meeting our needs. He is the good shepherd. Uh, I hope you have your outline out. If you had not pulled it out yet, I hope you will. Uh, this verse will show up on the screen as well. Uh, let's read it together. It's the first three verses of the 23rd Psalm. Would you read with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now, this part is the part we're looking at today. Ready? The last part. He leads me in the right paths for his namesake. Wow. As I said, God is good, and he promises to guide you. We're not left on our own. God says, I'm going to give you guidance. Uh, so if, if you never felt guided by God, um, that's a problem because one of the proofs, one of the evidences that God is in your life is that he wants to guide you. Uh, those of you that walk with him a long time, that's the truth, isn't it? That right relationship with him uh, leads to him leading your life. One other verse in the beginning here, uh, Romans eight fourteen says, for those people who are led by the Spirit of God, are the children of God. Well, I said, uh-oh. <laughs> you said that again. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are God's children. So it's absolutely vitally important that we let God guide us. So how, how do I be led by God's Spirit? Those people who are led by God's Spirit are God's children. So how do I hear from him? How do I learn to get God's will? How do I get God's guidance, whether that's in business or spiritually or relationship or financially or health? How do I get God's guidance? So this message is divided into two parts. Number one, things I need to stop doing in order to get God's leading in my life. And then we'll look at things that I need to be doing to accomplish that. So we'll start with the negative, and there are four of them. Four things that uh, you might write these down on your, on your outline there. Number one, these are right from the Word of God. If you want to be led by God's Spirit, number one, I must stop being led by the culture. I have to stop being led by the culture. And what I mean by the culture is the culture that does not follow God. I can't follow a culture that doesn't follow God if I'm trying to follow Him. If I'm trying to be led by the Spirit, I've got to stop being led by the culture. You can't run in two directions at the same time. 
You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and the culture. You've got to decide who's number one in your life, and you can only have one number one. Exodus 23.2 says, Don't, Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Now that's really important. It's an important verse because the whole idea is if everybody else is doing it, it must be okay. If it's legal, it must be moral. Not necessarily, right? Just because everybody else is doing it, then it doesn't mean I should do it. You can't follow a culture that doesn't follow God if you want to be led by the Holy Spirit. You can't follow the crowd and everything. You know, most people make decisions in their life according to what is acceptable. Right? Well, if they're doing it, then I'm going to do it. And if they're not doing it, then I'm not going to do it. Because uh, I don't want to stick out. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to rock the boat. You know, when in Rome, you know, you do as the Romans do. Uh, there are great pressures in our life to conform to the culture. But you cannot conform to the culture, be like everybody else, and be led by the Holy Spirit because he's leading you differently. You know, that was the problem in Israel in the Old Testament for 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years uh, in the Bible. They kept wanting to be like every other nation. And every time they asked about that, God said, no, I want you to be different. I want there to be something different about you. And so he gave them all kind of moral laws and civil laws and ceremonial laws. And he said, this is going to make you different than everybody else. And that's intentional. God said, because you're my people, I, don't want, I want you to be different. So don't copy what everybody else is doing, whatever everybody else in the culture is doing, what other people are doing. You know, today, there are a lot of believers who accept the standards of the world. Well, is it politically correct? Is it culturally correct? Is everybody else doing it? In Romans 12, 2, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Do not copy the behavior or values of this world. Instead, let God transform you. What that means is let God help you to be different into a new person by changing the way you what? The way you think. So you're going to think differently than everybody else. The last part then says, then you will know what God wants you to do. Just pause again right there. The reason you don't know what God wants you to do is because you get swamped by the culture. And you can't think like the world and think like God at the same time. So you have to decide in your life, do I want to be popular with the world, or do I really want what God wants me to, to be? Do I want to be made into the person he created me to be, or am I going to be a carbon copy of everybody else? Don't copy the behaviors and the values of the world, the Bible says. Let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. And then he says, then you'll know. Then you'll know God's will. Then you'll know what God wants you to do. Then you'll know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Man, you ought to circle those words. Good, pleasing, perfect will of God. God's will for you in your life is good, not bad. 
God has a good plan for your life, not bad. God's will for your life is good, pleasing, uh, even enjoyable. It's his plan for you. Is it going to be painful sometimes? Sure enough, no doubt. But it's pleasing and it's perfect and it's God's will for you. So if, you want to, if you're going to let God guide you, you've got to say, well, I'm, going to let, uh, I'm not going to let the culture guide me. I'm, I'm going to be and think what God wants me to be. Now, that's number one. Now, number two gets a little more personal, kind of meddling-like, so you just have to receive that. Uh, if you want to be led by God's Spirit, number two, I must stop being led by my friends who aren't led by God. If my friends are going the exact opposite direction that God is, you know, that might be friends, that might be family, If I'm going to have to make a choice. Am I going in the direction that people are leading me to go, or am I going to go in the direction that God has for me? Like, it's one thing to say, I'm going to be countercultural. It's another thing to say I'm not going to be influenced and led by my friends. you got to stop letting friends set the agenda. I can't follow friends who aren't led by God. Why, why do I make such a big deal about this? It's because um, of the things that causes, one of the things that causes people to miss God's will in their life, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, is peer pressure around us. We, you know, we all know what that's like, whether it's school or uh, kids or friends in your life or people you work with. There's a lot of peer pressure uh, that, that we deal with uh, in our life, and we have to figure out uh, how are we going to respond to those things, how are we going to trust him uh, to let him uh, speak to us in the midst of those. I'm going to find my place right here. So the Bible encourages us. Um, now, one thing the Bible does not encourage is that you to give up all your friends. You know, it's not talking. Are you supposed to have unbelieving friends in your life? Absolutely, right? We're supposed to be influencing them. The problem is, don't let them influence you. 1 John 3, 7 says, don't let anyone, that'd be your friends too, right? Don't let anyone lead you in the wrong way. Christ is righteous. That means he does what is right. So be like Christ. You must do what is right, not necessarily what is popular. I mean, anyone who keeps on sinning is led by the devil. So if I got people in my life, uh, if I'm continuing to be involved in sinful behaviors, um, whether that's somebody bragging about having an affair or how much alcohol they drink, if I'm listening to all that and following those paths, who are they following? They are following the devil. But we're talking about following, being led by the Holy Spirit. So what do I do? You know, there's a lot of bad advice out there. Amen? Yep. Proverbs 13, 20. It's not in your outline, but it says, keep company with wise friends and you'll become wise. But if you associate with fools, your life will suffer great hurt. Woo. See, what that means is you can't soar with, you can't soar with eagles if you're running around with a bunch of turkeys. It's who you hang out with, who you're listening to, who's influencing you. Keep company with those that are wise. Uh, I can't let the culture get me off track, and I can't let my friends lead me in the wrong direction. i got to make sure that the advice that I'm getting is from the source, the Spirit of God that is leading me. So what I said earlier is um, that doesn't mean that you get rid of all your friends. It simply means that you are not being influenced by those friends, but you are influencing them. 
God wants you to have friends who are unbelievers. How else are they going to see Christ if they don't see it in you? But you don't let them influence you and be the directive, the source uh, in uh, your life. You know, we're all commanded to love the people around us, to love our enemies, to love our friends, to love all those around us. I'm a follower of Christ, and I'm to love everybody. So the difference is you will be my spokesman, Jeremiah says, to unbelieving or non-believing friends. You are to influence them, but do not let them influence you. You know, every day you're around people, and you have to decide, are you going to be a thermostat or a thermometer? You know, a thermometer just reflects the temperature in the environment. So they, they talk dirty, so you're going to talk dirty. They tell bad jokes, you're going to tell bad jokes. It, it just reveals what the culture is like. So a, a thermometer just reveals the, what's going on around us. A thermostat turns up or down the heat. The thermostat, see, that's what I think God wants you to be a thermostat, right? A thermostat where we are providing influence on those around us. Now, God commands you to, to love those around you, to love Christians, to love unbelievers as well. And so he's encouraging us, recognizing that he wants us to, to, to see what the world uh, is saying to us around us. So we're going to not let the culture uh, be our directive. We're not going to let our friends uh, be our directive. So number three, um, number three is that we are going to uh, allow the Spirit of God to help us know that I must stop being led by substitutes for God. By substitutes uh, for God. We can't let other things fill in God's spot for us. Uh, so, you're looking for direction in your life, and the best place to look is not a TV talk show. The best place to look is to read God's Word, the owner's manual the Bible, to talk to God, to talk to the creator who made us. Uh, you know, I can't allow other things to fill in that spot for God. Now, there's a, there's a lot of sources, a lot of substitutes uh, for God in our life. Um, you know, wh what are we supposed to do? Well, somebody told me uh, a few days ago, uh, I'm going to pray and I'm going to read my horoscope. Help us, Jesus, right, <laughs> on that. Um, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to, uh, to believe in some kind of uh, weirdness that's going on in the world or you're supposed to go to some kind of psychic and kind of get... No, the Bible says don't do that. I want you to look at me. I want you to know that I am going to be your God. Here's what the Bible says. Deuteronomy chapter 18, 10 to 12. Listen to this. Never look to psychics or seances or fortune telling or the stars or people who claim to be in contact with the dead. People who do these things are doing evil, and God hates it with a passion. So the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So we got to avoid that, right? The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 1, that... Um, don't believe everything that you hear. That's what I should put up on my computer. So if I'm on the internet, don't believe everything that you hear. See, if you want to be led by the Spirit of God, there's some things that you have to stop doing. You can't follow culture, follow your friends who are not following God. 
you can't look for other sources outside of God. So I'll give you one more. One more thing to stop, uh, which is number four. I must stop being led by my feelings. Stop being led by my feelings. If I want to be led by God's Spirit, I cannot be led by my feelings because your feelings lie to you all the time. No amens on that, but still true. See, the emotions that we have are temporary. Like you might have got really mad about something this week, but you didn't look like you showed up in this room really mad today, not like you were that day. Um, you know, the emotions come to us, even positive emotions. Man, you, we're going to have a wedding here this afternoon. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. And they're going to be happy like the greatest day of their life. But that goes away, doesn't it? You don't live every day of your married life like it was on the wedding day. Uh, those things kind of, and even the negative things that we deal with, uh, they, can, they can be a struggle uh, for us, but they don't, they don't always last. So we recognize that we cannot be led by our feelings. Now, a lot of people base their decisions on how they feel. Don't raise your hand, but I can tell you've done it many times. Um, you know, people will say, I hear, I hear this all the time. I've even said it many times. Um, well, pastor, I just had a piece about it. You ever said that? Sure you have. And peace is really important in decision-making, but just having that easy, peaceful feeling, some of you got that, some of you didn't. <laughs> you can't just go on your feelings, right? Feelings lie. They may be the result of some bad food that you had last night. You know, you can't make a big decision just on the basis of how you're feeling. You remember the story in the Bible about Jonah? You know, Jonah was running from God. He was running from God, and he, uh, he had some money. He had uh, the ability to buy a ticket or get on a ship. He, he got on board. He goes down in the bottom of the ship, and he's taking a nap, sleeping down there. I'm sure he was sleeping all peacefully, but he was out of the will of God. He might have felt like he was peaceful and he was running away, but he realized that he was totally out of the will of God. You know, Proverbs 14, 12 says, you may feel, say feel, you may feel you're on the right road and still end up dead. You believe the Bible would say that. The result of being manipulated by your moods or by the things around, Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all strayed away like sheep. We have all left God's path to follow our own. Now, why did we follow our own path? Because we felt like it. That's what we wanted to do. These are things that you have to stop doing if you want to be led by the Spirit. The stuff you should do, we'll look at quickly here. Uh, recognizing. So it's not going to take me long here. It's kind of self-explanatory. We looked at four things to stop doing. Now we're looking at four things that we are to start doing. So easy to understand. Number one. If you want to get guidance from God, divine direction, I must want to be led. I must want to be led. Man, I met hundreds of people that we talk about God's leading, but they didn't want to be led. You probably got some people at your house that really 
don't want to be led. Like you got to desire it, right? It starts with desire. It starts with longing. It starts with craving. Have you ever, um, you ever had anybody hold, like hold your head underwater so long that you knew you had to get up from there and get a breath? That's what it feels like. I'm desperate for it. I'm longing for it. God, I have to know what you want me to do. So it's, it's not like I, I kind of want to know. Uh, it would be helpful to know. No, it's intense and I'm passionate and my prayers are revealing that I need to know what God desires in my life. So I guess it's that important to me. I'm hungry for it. I've got to have it. Got to have breath. I got to have oxygen. I got to have food. I'm desperate for it. So I'm saying, God, I want to know your will. Psalm 40, verse 8. My God, I want to do what you want. Your teachings are in my heart. See, the reason why he wants to do it is because he's reading the Bible. He's reading the scripture. Your teachings are in my heart. So I must want to be led. Uh, Do you want to be led? That's a good decision to make today. Number two, I must be willing to do what God says. I must not only want what God's will is, but I got to be willing to do it because God says I'm willing to obey what I'm telling him is I'm willing to obey in advance. In other words, can you get this? Even before he tells me what to do, I've agreed to do it. My answer is yes in advance. Man, I learned this. You know, I just realized that God is not going to tell me. It's like pre-qualifying. You ever, you ever seen that? You got to pre-qualify before you get the, the whole thing. God's not going to show you what he wants you to do in your life and then get you to go, go about thinking about it or decide if you want to do it. God wants you to surrender to him in your life, trust him completely, and then when he leads you, he wants you to follow his guidance. Lord, I'm willing. John 7, 17, Jesus said, whoever is willing to do what God wants and chooses it, See, it's a choice, but I've already decided in advance I'm going to do what God leads me to do. This is the toughest part, right? To, to in advance have been given him uh, that I'm going to trust you. I want to be led, and I'm willing to do what you want me to do even before you told me uh, what to do. Man, I really hate that. Like, when, when, when I got this thing about the DS and all that, I just wish he hadn't brought it up to me before. Like, he didn't bring that up exactly. But he had already been pushing me about doing what I... Because I would have said no. But like, he got me early. And he's getting me to agree that I'm going to follow his plan, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, this comes up and I think... I told him, I said, I got tricked, man. And I know that's not true. Don't quote me on that one or put it on the internet or whatever. Now, I, he was preparing me, but it sure felt like that he had got me to agree to something before I even knew what it was. And that's actually true because sometimes you won't do it. If you get to negotiate it, you won't do it. But if he works on your heart and he prepares you and you know you're ready and, he's, and you're willing to do whatever God leads you to do, then he can ask you something big and you'll trust him with it.
And that's number three. I must look to God's word. I must look to God's word. God's will is found in God's word. Right? God's will is found in God's word. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. See, if you're not going to be in the Bible regularly, you're going to be walking in the dark. You're going to be walking through life without a flashlight. One of the reasons I give you these outlines for you to take home is because you're not going to read this much scripture all week. You're not going to look for this or that, but you go home and you study this. And the word of God is in your life and it's helping you. Psalm 119, 133 says, guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by evil. Hmm. So he's reminding us that I'm trusting in God's word. God's will is found in God's word. That's where it is. God is one, one of the verses I put on the outline here. It wasn't a verse for this sermon. It was a verse that uh, I preached on this a few weeks ago. And, man, God used this verse. Like, I, I had heard this verse, but I read it in this other translation. You remember this verse? Be strong and courageous and get to work. Don't be frightened by the size of the task. Well, I was scared of the size of the task. And here's this verse. For the Lord God is with you. He will not fail or forsake you. He will see to it that everything is finished correctly. Like, what? I had a verse like that when I moved to Pekin. Like, I never even heard of Pekin. But here's this Bible verse. It's like, keep reading this thing. It's from Habakkuk. I read that thing over and over again. I thought, okay, okay, I get it, man. Because I didn't really want to come to Pekin either. I love those people where I was in Charlotte. It wasn't the town or any of that, but it's people, man. And that's what makes this so hard is I love you. I love this place. I love... It's hard. But you got to do what God wants you to do. you got to be led by the Spirit of God. So if God is showing you something, just remember it's in the Word of God because the second point there, God's will never contradicts itself. God's will never contradicts itself. So sometimes you're talking to somebody at work and they say, you know, they're involved in this thing or that thing or they're seeing this girl or this man or whatever and they're married and they're trying to get it off here. Well, I think God wants this for me. No, he doesn't. He does not. You know, Christians talk like that sometimes. Like, well, maybe God's leading me to do this. If it's against the word of God, it's against God. It never con contradicts uh, itself. So we recognize that I must be in God's will. So uh, let's go to number four. Uh, number four, uh, the, the last point here. If I want to be led by God's spirit, I must ask the Holy Spirit to be my God. I must ask the Holy Spirit to be my God. I mean, you remember in, in high school that you had on the faculty there, you had a school guidance counselor. Remember that? They were supposed to help you decide if you were going to college or what classes to take or what job or what to go to the military. They were the guidance counselor. You have a guidance counselor, and his name is the Holy Spirit. You don't just have a book, which we love the book, but it's even nicer 
to have the author speaking in your ear and to your heart. He is guiding you. I must ask the Holy Spirit to be my God. Now, one of the reasons that we don't know the will of God is that we don't ask for it. James 4.2 says you do not have because you do not ask God for it. So we understand God's interest in the details of our life. He knows the uh, hairs on the top of our head. He knows the details of all of our life. He knows the health. He knows everything about what is happening to us. And so he asks us, you do not have because you do not ask God for it. And in Psalm 27, 11, teach me, Lord, what you want me to do. Lead me down the right path. Man, I'm holding on to that. How about you? How does he do it? You know, he, his primary way is the Holy Spirit is guiding us by reminding us of what we read in God's Word. And we put that, thing, that stuff in our mind and we reflect on it. And at the right moment, when you're trying to make a decision, the Holy Spirit comes and he reminds you. And we, we, are, we are good forgetters. But thank God the Holy Spirit's our reminder. He's always telling us, this is, this is what you need to be thinking about. This is what you need to do. So uh, the Holy Spirit uh, just reminded you of what he wanted to do. And so he's encouraging you to know. So how do you, how do you get there? I'll give you two things that speed up the process quickly. Number one. Number one is ask humbly. Ask humbly. What do you want to do? I'm willing to, to serve you. So he's speeding up the process. Psalm 25, 9 says, God guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them his way. You know, the more humble you are, the more information you're going to get from him. Pride leads to destruction. God, I need you. I need your guidance. And he says, I'll give it to you. I'm the shepherd. Last, ask in faith. Ask in faith. God, I need to know, and I want you to know the situation that I'm in. I'm expecting you to give an answer, and I thank you in advance for what you're going to do and what you're going to say. All right, I'm going to finish. I have this friend, and I've been you know, talking to him for a while. He didn't, come, he didn't come to this church, and he's one of my personal culture people, you know. And so uh, I know him. Uh, I see him occasionally, and I... Uh, Always know his name, talk to him. So, uh, you know, we're ju- we're just we're just kind of friends. So he um, he calls me one morning, uh, right after her sabbatical, and he says, uh, "Where are you?" And I said, uh, "I'm at the church. I just finished a meeting. And what are you what are you thinking?" He said, "Can I come over there?" I said, "Sure." So he came over. Uh, when I saw him, he looked like a guy that had been up all night. He looked terrible, and he looked like he's been crying his eyes out. So he comes in, sits down in my office. First of all, I noticed that he's terribly embarrassed. And, um, you know, I've been talking to him. You know, I talked to him about coming to church, and, and he goes to church, but he wasn't being led by the Spirit. And I've been talking to him about that. So he comes and he sits down. He says, I made a mess. He said, I had an affair, and she found out last night on Facebook. That's a great way to find out, isn't it? said, she kicked me out, and I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. And I said, well, number one, I'm your friend, and we're going to work on this together, and 
I'm not going to kick you out. I'm going to I'm going to help you, and we're going to talk to God about this and try to figure out what's going to happen. So a series of things happened. I got him into a, a professional counselor, and he started working on what was happening. And I met with him uh, at least once a week, and we prayed together. And he's uh, man, he's so hungry. Like he kept saying, "What what am I what am I supposed to do? I want, I want God to help me." And uh, you know, one thing that happened to him was I think he got saved, like really saved. Then he's he's following, he's following God. Like he, um, their church had this little prayer time. You know, it was one of those directed prayers. You know, so he and his wife they're doing terrible, and so but they decide they're going to go to this church service together. So they go there, and the guy up front is saying, okay, let's pray for our nation, and everybody pray for the nation. Then they were praying about this and praying about that. Uh, did anybody need special prayer for, like, a physical need? And some people went around to them and laid hands on them and prayed for them. And then they said, anybody here with emotional brokenness? So she looks right at him, and he says, I'm not standing up. She said, okay, that's fine. And so she turned, and she's looking to kind of pick her moment. So while she's looking away, just a couple of seconds went by, and he stands up, and he says, hey, we need prayer over here. And some, some people went over there and gathered around him, and they're uh, praying for them. So they prayed, not knowing anything that was going on, just praying about emotional brokenness. And so they ended the prayer, and this man in the circle said, um, could you give us some some idea of how to pray for you specifically. And she said, well, our marriage is just in a mess. And he started talking to her. He said, you know, God, God can make a difference in your marriage. And eventually he said, you know, the key is forgiveness. And really listening to the heart of God and, and to forgive each other. And then she says, he said, are you, are you ready to forgive him? And she's thinking, I didn't come here to do that. And then she says, I am ready to do that. And he said, well, why don't you just tell him right here, in front of that whole group right there. And so she's, she's saying, I want God to help us, and I, I'm, willing, I'm willing to forgive you and to see if we can, we can make this work. Then the guy says, are you willing to forgive her? And he's thinking, for what? <laughs> she didn't do anything. He says, oh, no, but you, you can have resentment in your heart and bitterness over this whole situation. You need to forgive her, too. Tell her, tell her right now. And so he's talking right there in church, and they're telling all this stuff. And um, he said, well, we're going to pray for you. That, that moment changed everything. So he comes to me and says, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm really going to do what God wants me to do. I've decided I'm changing my way, and God is going to help our marriage. We prayed again. Two weeks ago, he texts me, and he says, what are you doing on May 25? Uh, we want to have a vow renewal. A what? A vow renewal. So I, it, was, it was Tuesday. So I go to their house because I need to hear the story. Like, come on. Uh, so they told me the story about church, and they told me some other stuff that they had been doing. And, you know, my first thought, I, this is terrible. I thought, he's playing the game, man. He's doing whatever he can to get back in the house, right? She said, that's what I thought. But nothing like that. She says, I've been testing him. I mean, he is, 
It's the real thing. I mean, I'm listening to him pray, and he's praying with me a couple times a day, and we're going to church like I'm at. We're really going to church. Uh, and So Tuesday noon, I'm outside in their backyard, and we're, they, they got new rings. So they were going to give each other. You know what they do with the old rings? They melted them down and made them into a bracelet with a cross on it so she could wear it so they'd never forget what, what they did when they were not following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a story, man, right there. The difference in your life when you're being led by the Spirit compared to when you're not being led by the Spirit, miracles can happen. So you start following every day, little bits at a time, because you're going to have some big decisions to make. Who are you going to marry? Where are you going to live? Where are you going to work? What are you going to do in your life? Key things that God is going to bring into your path. Now, some of you are looking at me like, well, I'm too old to make any big decisions. No, you're not. We all got big decisions to make. Amen? And you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me in paths of righteousness, the right path. Would you pray with me? Jesus, uh, thank you for the profoundness of what you are saying to us. Lord, I pray that in this room, there would be a craving to be led by God. That it wouldn't just be, well, I go to church. I pray sometimes. Lord, help us not to wait till we're in trouble to come running to someone. Lord, I'm so grateful that he came to me. I'm so grateful that I knew him and he called his name. I, that little wife said, he had nobody else. But you did it, Lord. And now today, 25, 25th anniversary, renewing their vows, and today they've decided we're going to be led by the Spirit. Lord, could we make decisions like that? Help us in this room today. First of all, if we don't know Christ as our Savior, if we've just been kind of tiptoeing around it, and, but we know deep in our heart we have not settled our relationship with Jesus Christ. Help us to do that today, to say, Lord, I need you. I need a Savior. I can't do this on my own, and I need you now, and I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe we're just in this room, and we're still learning how to be led by God. Or maybe we're in this room and we've been led by God a long time, but we come up on some new big things that are really hard. Help us, Lord, to trust you in the smallest needs, to learn what it means to be led by the Spirit of God so that wherever we land in our life, you're going to show us. You're going to lead us. You're going to walk with us. You're going to show us the right path. Lord, this is not something that I was naturally born to do. I have to learn it. I have to learn it from your hand, 
from your guidance, from your spirit. So today, Lord, we decide we're in class, the Holy Spirit leading class to show us how to be who you have called us to be. All praise to you, Lord. We celebrate you. Thank you for saving that marriage. Thank you for that miracle. Thank you for doing in us the very thing that we need to do if we will be led by the Spirit. And we pray all this. We celebrate it in Jesus' name. Uh, Why don't you just clap for God?